Hi, I'm your host, Alan. And this is your host, Corbin. And this is your guide to Space Jam, directed by Joe Pigta, released November 16th, 1996. So production for Space Jam goes as far back as 1992 and 93. Now, it's no surprise that, you know, Michael Jordan at this time was probably at the height of his career, if not the height of his career, definitely still extremely popular. And I don't think he necessarily needs much of an introduction as to who he is. But there became a little bit of a problem um, when it came to actually making Space Jam. Now, in 1992 and 93, Michael Jordan did shoot a couple of commercials um, with Bugs Bunny, directed by Joe Pigta. Uh, there were two Nike ads. And that's kind of what uh, started this whole idea of doing a feature-length movie with fe- featuring Michael Jordan and the Looney Tunes. And in 1983, that was actually greenlit by Warner Brothers to actually happen until it was put on hold when Jordan decided that when Michael Jordan decided that he was going to go into retirement, um, which happened in 90, happened in October of 93. So he went into retirement. As I said, uh, he said that he was like losing desire to continue the sport. And also his father had died a few months prior, which kind of just helped solidify that decision of retirement. In 94, Jordan then signed on to go play for the Chicago White Sox. That's, that's baseball. Um, but left later that year and came back to the NBA in 1995 with a two-word press statement of I'm back, which finally production then began um, not long after that announcement of returning to the NBA uh, to start with make actually start production on Space Jam. So a uh, quick fun fact here as well. Spike Lee did show interest in helping Pigta with uh, making the screenplay, but Warner Bros. said absolutely not, um, especially after what happened with the funding uh, with Malcolm X. Uh, I don't know the whole story here. Uh, that's for a completely different podcast, but it is a fun fact to note that Spike Lee almost had a hand in Space Jam. Now, obviously, Wayne Knight went on to play the role of Stan, uh, but almost that role almost went to Michael J. Fox or Chevy Chase, what? who we have both reviewed movies of. Um, obviously, oh, yeah. Michael J. Fox is from uh, Back to the Future, and Chevy Chase is from uh, Lampoon's Christmas Vacation mm-hmm. and a couple of other uh, Lampoon movies as well. Warner Bros. said no to both of them, um, and that's what ended up going to Wayne Knight instead. Uh, and that's just kind of a common theme here where Warner Bros. definitely had a big hand in the production of Space Jam. They also did look at replacing Michael Jordan with a more professional actor, <laughs> but uh, director Pigta did come out and say that, you know, no one really works better to play the role of Michael Jordan than Michael Jordan himself, more or less. Yeah. <laughs> now, as for the voice actors themselves, those being the Looney Tunes, uh, they clearly could not get, you know, the original voice actor, Mel Blanc, because he died a few years before this, um, who was those original uh, who was the original voice for those new tunes? Uh, they went for his successor, Joe Alisky. Um, but, uh, and he was there and he was there for a number of auditions and finally just walked out because no one was ever really giving him any clear direction as to if he got the role or not. So they also wanted to get more celebrity cameos and to play some of these animated characters. And unfortunately, the only one that actually worked out was Danny DeVito as Swaghammer. Um, but they also had plans to make him a live action character, the character of Swaghammer. They had plans to make him a live action character, not an animated one. So for the actual voice actors, we ended up getting Bill West, who previously 
did, or his other work also included Futurama, Ren Stimpy, who did play the voice of Stimpy. He played, in this movie, uh, Bugs Bunny and Elmer Fudd. Dee Bradley Baker, who was also in Phineas and Ferb, American Dad, SpongeBob SquarePants. He played Daffy, Tasmanian Devil, and Bull. Uh, Bob Burgeon, who, surprisingly enough, was uh, an English voice actor in Akira. Um, also was the same in Spirited Away. And he also did Duck Dodgers. He played Birdie, Hubie, Marvin the Martian, Porky Pig, and Tweety. Bill Farmer, uh, he's done a lot of the voice work for Goofy and Pluto and uh, more Disney stuff. So he was in a Goofy movie. He played Sylvester, uh, Yosemite Sam, Foghorn Leghorn, June Foray, who was also in Who Framed Roger Rabbit or in Mulan. She played the granny. Maurice uh, LaMarche played Pepe Le Pew, and Beth Succi played Lola Bunny. Well, once production began, it became pretty evident to Warner Bros. that this was a uh, very complicated project, given that it was going to be a mix of live action and animation. So they ended up pulling in more studios to help with that 2D animation. Now, on set, they did film in... It's one of the first films to be filmed in what was called a virtual studio. Uh, essentially, it was a giant green screen room um, that was used for the basketball court. At the time, they spent about $1 million on just rendering alone, um, where they would send each shot out to that render farm. That's not including the actual uh, other animation work and the uh, budget for that. But it did break a number of records for the number, broke records uh, for the most number of uh, composited shots, as well as number of effect shots. Even beat out Independence Day, which came out that same year for number of effect shots. Now, the motion tracking was a pretty new thing at the time. Uh, with that, that comes with how they like move the camera when it comes to, you know, the human characters uh, when they're inside of a fully animated scene behind them um, when the camera especially when the camera is moving like i think evident most evident is that final scene they had to go frame by frame more or less they wanted to guy uh, they wanted to have make sure that it was correct is what 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 they're going for they could have gone you know scene by scene or chunks at a time to you know map the background to the actual motion of the camera but they end up going for frame by frame when they added in those backgrounds. Also, the final basketball stadium design went under many revisions, uh, about 94 <laughs> to be exact, oh before they finally got it right. They were really looking for a good balance between, uh, you know, the animated characters that exist in this world and then also, you know, putting in the human characters so they also kind of blend in with the background. But, you know, then you also have the issue of, like, for example, the, the example that they give is... Tasmanian Devil, he's brown, so they didn't want to make the floor too brown, so he just blends into it. Number of revisions for uh, this final uh, basketball court. And Picta also said that uh, getting all the actors on board was a little bit difficult. Um, I guess it kind of makes sense when your plug for the movie is, you know, a basketball store runs around in a 2D land with uh, <laughs> these 2D characters. Uh, said that it kind of was difficult to get, you know, others, other actors on board for this kind of a thing. So 96 was a, you know, a somewhat big year for film. The top 10 of that year would have been Independence Day, Twister, Mission Impossible, which is with Tom Cruise, The Rock, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, 101 Dalmatians. That's the live action version of that movie. Ransom, The Nutty Professor, 
Jerry Maguire and Space Jam at the number 10 spot. And 60th Academy Awards went to Braveheart in 96. So as I mentioned, uh, this movie did pretty well in the box office to be one of the highest grossing movies of the year. It had a budget of 80 million. Um, Opening weekend, 27.5 million. Domestically, 90.5 million. Foreign markets at 159.7 million for a worldwide total of 250.2 million, or if adjusted for inflation, about $430 million in today's money. Yeah, I gotta say it did really well at the box office, which is no surprise for Pete's sake. It's Michael Jordan, who was like the biggest sports star of the 90s. I mean, who didn't know Michael Jordan? And the Looney Tunes have always been beloved characters, so kind of mashing them up together it sounds interesting it's an intriguing concept i don't think i ever would have thought the looney tunes playing basketball with michael jordan but you do bring to light a lot of my questions that i was so confused about why is this joe picked a guy directing it he's maybe directed i think like one movie before this lots of music videos uh with michael jackson some tv commercials um yeah, re- weird production history behind this. I had no idea about any of this production history. But, I mean, I guess it paid off for Warner Brothers. Um, I, I think that's a pretty watery opening weekend at not even cracking $30 million, especially for being such a high-profile, big-budget family film with huge stars in it. But it mm. went on to do really well at the box office. But... Did it? How long did it stay number one? Well, it was only number one for one week, yeah. uh, and that <laughs> would have been the week that it came out. Uh, also in the theater that week was a movie called Ransom, which I mentioned was also one of the highest grossing movies of the year. The Mirror Has Two Faces at number three, set it off at number four. Romeo plus Juliet. I'm pretty sure that's the one with Leonardo DiCaprio. Yes. The kind of weird one. It's, yeah, it's weird. So that was the first week. And then Star Trek First Contact came out and bumped it down to number two. Um, But we also did see the release of Jingle All the Way this week um, with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, Jingle All the Way came in at number four for 20th Century Fox. I personally love Jingle All the Way. It is a Mm -hmm. tradition for me to watch it every Christmas uh, with Jake Lloyd. Sinbad is absolutely hilarious. No surprise whatsoever, Star Trek First Contact knocked Space Jam out of the number one spot. Star Trek First Contact is fantastic. It's like in my top five um, Star Trek movies. Um, We have reviewed First Contact here on the channel. I'll link to it below. But no surprise there. Um, Yeah, I I was probably, I'm sure um, Warner Brothers was expecting it to do a little bit better. And I noticed over the Mm -hmm. Thanksgiving Day Weekend Disney knocks it down to three with the 101 Dalmatians. Yeah, exactly. The live action version of 101 Dalmatians came out. That's third week. Like you mentioned, pumped it down even farther. That came out at number one. Uh, and it just kind of kept getting buried after that. <laughs> week number four, number six with the release of Daylight. Week number five, number nine with the release of Jerry Morgan, Mars Attacks, and The Preacher's Wife. Yeah. So... I mean, it did okay. I would say it did one. It went. It went from one to three in the first three weeks, uh, and then after that, six and then nine. So it, I think it did all right. You know, this is of course, um, I guess, towards the end of the year. So people are wanting to get in some of the more Oscar Beatty movies too. Um, if 
as well. So I think it did okay. That is in terms of placement in the box office. I did think it was interesting. It did go up against The English Patient, which would go on to win Best Picture of the Year. It did go up against English Patient. It only opened in 10 theaters. Um, English Patient never had a very big release, like 1,400 theaters. Um, it opened at number 13 at the box office, quarter of a million dollars. Um, I thought that was, I, I was shocked to see that. I was like, oh, hey, that's going to go on to win Best Picture, and everybody's seeing Space Jam instead. <laughs> yep. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, it also should be noted that this uh, technology, uh, like putting 2D animation or mixing together 2D animation and live action uh, is nothing new. Uh, a few years before this, you know, there's the famous Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which is pretty much the, the big movie that really showed that this is a possibility, right? Um, I think it's one of the first, if not the first movie that actually did this to that extent, at least. Um, so it's kind of, you know, interesting that we have it back. We don't see this very often anymore, uh, if at all, if anything. Um, we'll talk next week about what happens next with the Looney Tunes, with Looney Tunes back in action. But there were talks of a sequel pretty early on uh, after the release of Space Jam. But we'll talk about that on Monday uh, when we get there. So, Corbin, thank you for joining me and I'll see you on Monday. Yeah, sure thing. And listeners, like I mentioned, be sure to come back on Monday because we'll be talking about Space Jam in full. And we'll also talk about all the juicy details along with what's going to happen next with Space Jam outside of what did happen with LeBron James coming up in a couple weeks. So we'll see you then, listeners. The Silver Screen Guide podcast is edited and produced by Alan and Corbin. Intro and outro music is created by Thomas Rankin. The thoughts and opinions herein expressed are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those held by Silver Screen Guide. Silver Screen Guide is not affiliated with any company or individual involved with the creation of this movie or TV show. No portion of the podcast may be used without express written permission from Silver Screen Guide.